Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today's scripture reading is taken from John chapter 11, verse 25. Here we have Jesus speaking to Martha, and he says to her, after Lazarus had passed away, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Even though Lazarus has passed away, he is telling Martha, there is a resurrection after death. And of course, all of us who are Christians are looking forward to that. We have many loved ones who have gone before and are in the Lord's presence now. And someday we will all be reunited with them. But Jesus says that he's the resurrection. He's the one that produces the resurrection. He's the one that has the power to bring people who were dead back to life. He also is the one that gives salvation. He that believeth in me, if you have faith in him, though he were dead, yet shall he live. We can have life and new life and life more abundantly here on earth because of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today in our studio, we have Jennifer Mays, who is one of our missionaries in Honduras. She has been there for nine years and has a tremendous impact, and the Lord has really blessed her in a mighty way. She has a real vision for Christian education in that country, and she was sharing with us that a lot of people are sending their children to North America because of the extortion and violence in Honduras, and they hope that their children will find a better life here than in Honduras. Today, Jennifer is going to share the need for education, and particular Christian education in Honduras. Jennifer, could you share with us, please? Yeah, during my nine years in Honduras, one of the things that I've identified as one of the largest problems is the lack of good education there. Although there are a couple of excellent bilingual schools, they are for the wealthy only and they're very expensive. And so the general population doesn't have access to that. 
The general population of Honduras has no more than a sixth grade education. Now, while within the last year they have said that the minimum needs to be ninth grade, we have not yet seen that happen. They are they're saying that needs to happen, but that has not become um, fulfilled yet. So the other thing that I have noticed with education in Honduras is that everything is rote memorization. If the traditional way of teaching there is they give the kids a book and the kids basically copy the book, memorize word for word questions and answers for their tests, and there's no true learning happening. It's all just rote memorization. And so between those two things, the the children are getting a terrible education. You also have a situation where a lot of kids are not even in school because of the poverty that they're working or they're tending to f smaller family members at home because the single mom is out working and there's nobody to watch the kids. So you have the nine-year-old who's taking care of the five-year-old and the three-year-old, and they're not in school. And so one of the visions that the Lord has given me is to start a bilingual Christian school that is geared for children in poverty. This would not be a school where the affluent can attend to get a good education. This would be a school where kids who would ne not have an other opportunity to receive a good Christian education, get an excellent education, and an education that will allow them as adults to get a job and turn their society around. The Lord has shown me that the two things that will change that country is in a better education and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that is my vision, is to combine those two things and provide an education for children so that when they are adults, they will be able to get out of poverty and change the way society is in Honduras. Yes, and you will do this with the blessing of the local church, correct? Yes, the local church that I'm working with right now has a vision as well that the Lord has shown them to have a school. And so it's been neat to see how the Lord has brought us together to eventually fulfill that vision he's given to both of us. And Global Out Remission is a parachurch organization, but we believe that the divine institution that God is using in this age of grace is the local church. So we try to work with local churches because we believe that is where the strength is, and we believe that's where people can not only get good education, but also they can have a spiritual component to it and can grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I am re really thankful for the way the Lord is leading you and I'm so thankful that you are in a very poverty-stricken area that needs education and the Lord. I have great concern, though, for your personal safety. Could you address that? Well, as many people have heard in the news, there's uh, a lot of turmoil in Honduras, mostly from gang activity um, because of the poverty and the lack of control that the government has over the situation. Um, it, it can be a little bit difficult to, to live in and function there. But as I've mentioned to you personally, you know, I, I feel safe in the sense that God has led me there. There are over 500 missionaries that are in the country working and serving there. And so the Lord, I do believe, has his hand on that country. And even though there is a lot of turmoil that's happening, I really believe that the Lord is sending workers there because the harvest is just about ripe. And so those of us who are there are excited to see what God is about to do in that place, believe that the gospel is going out and that we will see many people come to Christ in these next couple of years. 
Well, Jennifer, we will certainly be praying for you and praying for that harvest. I trust the Lord will re I trust the Lord for revival in North America as well as around the world. I believe the Lord is bringing in that last harvest in many, many countries, in Muslim countries in particular. There are thousands upon thousands of people who are coming to find Christ, and I do believe that God wants to work in Honduras as well. I am so thankful for the call that the Lord has put on your life, and I am so thankful for the faithfulness that I've seen in your life and in your ministry and in the way that you serve Him so well. I really appreciate you so much, and for the privilege of working with you, the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour and for your prayers and financial support. We continue to remind people that we can't be on the air without their faithful prayers and their gifts to sustain this ministry. This month, we're giving away a wonderful booklet entitled Procrastination, written by June Hunt, who is a biblical counselor with the award-winning radio program Hope for the Heart. This is a wonderful little booklet, Preventing the Decay of Delay, it says. If you are plagued with procrastination, with God's help, you can rearrange your priorities and complete your task on time. This booklet can be a guide of biblical principles for good time management. Be sure you can defeat procrastination, finish tasks on time, and enjoy the process. Please write to receive your free booklet. To get your copy, you can write Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And don't forget to ask for your copy of Procrastination. Oh, we
Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson, and it's a message we all need to hear. It's called Revival, and all of us need to be revived, and certainly our country needs to be revived as well. Printed copies are available upon request. An outstanding Christian visiting England was shown the room where John Wesley and the members of the Holy Club held their meetings well over a hundred years ago. As he entered the room, he recalled that these student prayer meetings at that time had been the force God used to ignite a revival, the impact of which was felt around the world. A deep sense of longing engulfed that person, and he fell on his knees, crying out in prayer, O oh God, revive us again. That's my prayer, too. We need revival today in Canada, in the U.S., in North America, around the world. Some places are having revival. Now, what do you mean by revival? Well, revival is a time when Christians are restored to their first love, when sham and hypocrisy are exposed, when bitterness and strife which exists in the body of Christ are revealed, and when such changes are effected in the lives of Christians that sinners are brought to Christ in great numbers. Revival is walking in the light with Jesus and letting him live his life through every believer. The word revive applies to that which has life. To revive is to come back to health and vigor, to flourish again after decline, to come back into use, to become valid and effective, to become operative again. Revival is admitting our sins, calling out to the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness, according to 1 John 1, 9, and being cleansed by his blood, and then allowing him to control every area of our lives as Lord and Master. Revival is when God draws near and manifests his holy presence. Revival is the extraordinary work of God producing extraordinary results. Someone has well said that preeminently all true revival is about God bringing glory back to his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit through his church. Yes, biblical revival is supremely the Lord Jesus Christ-centered. It is Christ-dominated. Some have even called it a Christ-awakening. We can only think rightly about revival when we think rightly about the Lord Jesus Christ's place in revival. So in this first message before us, uh, I want to refine the characteristics of revival and uh, help us to comprehend more fully the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the center of all corporate revival from heaven. I like this statement. Revival is God not making new things, rather it is God making things new. He does this by introducing us to the Lord Jesus Christ who stands at the epicenter of his renewing purpose among the nations. In revival, God invites the church into more of who Christ is for us, even as we invite Christ into more of who we are for him. And everything that revival brings has been bought and paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, shed at the cross of Calvary, when he who knew no sin was made sin for us. Charles Finney, the great revivalist, said, Revival is a return to the first love by Christians, resulting in the conviction and conversion of sinners to God. Then in a nutshell, Charles Finney continued, Revival is simply a new beginning of obedience to God. Since revival is centered in the Lord Jesus Christ and his word to us, I want to examine with you today and in the coming opportunities 
on this radio broadcast some of the words in the form of questions that Jesus asked that cause us to search out our hearts. I am reminded of what Jesus said, He that rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him, the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. As we read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we pause to meditate upon the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and as we do, we find a number of questions. These questions cause us to search out our hearts, and as we search out our hearts, we know then whether we are really candidates for revival. And of course, all of us are. There are three revival prayers that one can pray. The first one is Habakkuk 3.2. Habakkuk lived in a time when he did not understand the ways of God because of the tremendous flood of sin and evil that was sweeping the land, and he was perplexed, just like we are today. He cried out, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Then there's another prayer in Psalm 85, verses 6 and 7. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. And then the third prayer is in Psalm 143, verses 11 and 12, and it becomes very personal. Revive me, O Lord, for your namesake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy... Cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. In all three of these prayers, Habakkuk 3, 2, Psalm 85, 6, and 7, and Psalm 143, 11, and 12, revival is pleaded for on the basis of God's mercy. Habakkuk said, remember mercy. The psalmist said, show us your mercy, Lord. The psalmist again said, in your mercy, cut off the enemies. We can pray that God would revive his work in the midst of the years. We certainly can pray that God would revive us, his people, his redeemed people again. But oh, when it becomes personal and we say, revive me, O Lord, then we're getting down to business with God. And we're going to have a new beginning of obedience to him as a result. When I think of the questions that Jesus asked, it causes my heart to respond and to understand just where I am spiritually. I want you to think of some of these questions today. The first one is found in Matthew 16:13. I'm reading there in the previous verses that Jesus came into the borders of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples saying, "Who do men say that I the son of man am?" And they said, "Some say that you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets." He saith unto them, and here's question number 1. Matthew 16:15 A question about our conversion or our confession of him as personal savior and lord. Here's the question, but whom say ye that I am or who am I to you? And Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father which is in heaven. When you think of this question, Who do you say that I am? It's a question concerning our confession of Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. It would seem today that there are so many who profess to know the Lord Jesus Christ, who even know the terminology born again, but who evidence in their life little or no evidence at all that they have come into a living, vital, personal relationship with him. 
It was interesting, back in the day in which Jesus asked this question, what others were saying about him, they were complimentary. They were saying, he's John the Baptist. That was a great compliment. There was no preacher greater than John the Baptist, according to what Jesus said later. But he was only a man. John the Baptist was only a man. Others said, he's Elijah. And there was no greater prophet than Elijah in the sense of calling down fire from heaven at a time when the prophets of Baal, these false prophets running rampant in the land, when apostasy had swept through Israel and Elijah stood alone and called down the fire of God from heaven and the people fell on their faces and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. But remember, complimentary as that statement is about Jesus, Elijah was only a man. James tells us he was a man subject to like passions as we are, and yet he prayed. Then others said back in those days when Jesus walked here on earth, this Jesus must be Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet, a man of great compassion. They had seen the compassion of Jesus Christ, but Jeremiah was still only a man. And then they added, maybe he's one of the prophets. Then Jesus turned to them and said, but who do you say I am? Who am I to you? He's asking you that question today. When Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, Peter was understanding and recognizing that Jesus was the only promised one. He was the only perfect one. He was the only pleasing one, the only preeminent one. He was the only possible one, the Messiah, the long-promised one. Jesus had told them that he was the door. By him, people could enter into heaven. He had told them that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one could come to the Father but by him. Peter and the others had watched the things that Jesus did, miraculous miracles. They had heard the words that Jesus said. No one ever spoke as he did. He spoke with one having authority. They had watched his life. They knew he was the long-promised Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. But what Jesus said back to Peter is something today that I want to emphasize. You see, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. You may be getting ready to go to church today. You may be on your way to church. You may not even be thinking about church. And if someone were to ask you, are you a Christian? You might quickly reply, oh yes, I'm a Christian. And you would know the terminology. You might know John 3.16 or the 23rd Psalm. But when Jesus looks at us, he looks at the heart, not just what we say, not just at our mind to repeat things we may have learned from time to time in Sunday school or being brought up in a Christian home or at least learning terminology from some preacher we have heard on radio or television. Jesus answered and said to Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father who is in heaven. Revealed what? Revealed the statement that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. This confession that Peter made, Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed to you. You don't have a second-hand faith, Peter. You are not repeating something some other human being told you to say. Flesh and blood did not reveal it to you. You are not just saying words that you know you ought to say to me. Jesus said you are not just repeating something you learned from other people. You are saying something from your heart that my Father in heaven has revealed to you. You have come into a living, vital relationship, believing in me, and trusting me alone as the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world. And in making that confession to the Lord Jesus that day, Peter was revealing that he truly was a child of God. You remember what Jesus taught, except a man be born again, he cannot see, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
and Peter was expressing his spiritual encounter of sincere, honest, and life-transforming belief in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and it is with the mouth that he makes confession of Christ as Savior. I remember hearing a well-known athlete say that he heard an evangelist comes to his church, and the evangelist made a statement. It was this, if you are only 99% sure that you're saved, then you are 100% lost. And this young man at the time working with young people in his church realized that his relationship with the Lord was only a head knowledge and not a heart conviction. That morning he went forward, truly believed with all his heart, and was saved in those meetings. I wonder, friend, this morning, are you aware what Jesus said? Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Jesus continued, the judgment day, Lord, Lord, and that's his name, we have prophesied in your name, we have cast out demons in your name, we have done many wonderful works in your name. And then Jesus said, I will profess unto them, depart from me, I never knew you. Warren Wiersbe says a counterfeit Christian, and they're common today, is something like a counterfeit $20 bill. Suppose you had a counterfeit bill and actually think it's genuine. You use it to pay for some gasoline. You don't get much these days for $20, but the gas station manager would use that bill to buy groceries. You don't get many for that price either. Then the grocery bundles up the the, uh, $20 bill with 49 other ones and takes it to the bank, and the teller says as he counts through them, I'm sorry, this one bill is a counterfeit. Now, that $20 bill may have done a lot of good while it was in circulation, but when it arrived at the bank, it was exposed for what it really was and put out of circulation. So with the counterfeit Christian. They may do many good things in this life, but when they face the final judgment, they will be rejected by the Lord. Jesus will say, I never knew you. I trust today as we think about the subject of revival now and in the coming weeks that you will understand that it begins with a personal relationship, a heart transformation through your personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And I trust today that you will know without a doubt in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that you will place your faith and trust in him alone for your salvation. Call on him today, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can have that assurance today. I trust that the message you just heard will be a great blessing. Truths that were shared today can be applied to your lives this week. We at Canada's National Bible Hour are always concerned about those who may be listening but don't know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. And of course the scriptures are very clear. It is not one of us that deserves to be in God's presence. There is no way to get to God unless God would do something for us, and he did. He sent the best gift, the Lord Jesus, as he was obedient and became a man-babe in the manger, lived a sinless life with the whole goal of going to the cross one day and bearing the sins of the world. He thought about you. He bore our sins in his body as he hung there on the tree that day. So the Bible says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. If you 
trust God to forgive you from your sins, to have a relationship with him, God will receive you. God will save you. Receiving him, accepting him, gave you the right to become a child of God. Don't forget to write for this month's copy of Procrastination by June Hunt, a wonderful little booklet. If you are plagued with procrastination, with God's help, you can rearrange your priorities and complete your task on time. I know this booklet will be a great encouragement to you. Please write Canadian National Bible Hour, 1210 St. Catherine, Ontario, L2R7A7, or United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Remember, you can also hear past messages of this broadcast on our website at www.missiongo.org. We are now offering an internet radio broadcast on your mobile device. Don't forget to remember us in your prayers. So we want to thank you in advance for what you will do for us and help us do what we do in getting the gospel around the globe. God bless.